Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, classical literature, The Kindness Project book, and we have part one of our interview with Chris and Johnson, author of Ain't You Got No Manners. What are you doing, Charlotte? Uh, looking at a lovebird brightness chart. A, so, a what in the what now? It's a lovebird ripeness chart. It's like. Uh, sorry, what is a lovebird ripeness chart? It's just this chart of this, the same bird but in four different colours. And it's just. Uh, right, let me have a look. <laughs> well, hey, why, why do you need to know whether a lovebird is ripe enough? You're not going to eat one, are you? <laughs> lovebird ripeness chart. And there's a lovebird looking down on the ripeness chart as well. And that bird is unripe, clearly. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to another... Um, uh, well, um, uh, another episode of The Kindness Project. Um, this introduction after that start is even more pertinent because don't look at my intros. I'm joined by my partner in crime. If Shambolic Podcast, it was a chargeable offence. <laughs> <laughs> it's Charlotte Dames. How are you? Um, um. Go on, you know you want to say it. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. I know you're tired, but we're, we're fighting our way through, aren't we? Through. I'm one coffee in. I don't think I'm going to go. Well, I think, we're, I think we've, what we've mastered now is the tired enthusiasm mm. that we've tried to bring to the podcast. Um... I have an intro to give. Go on then. And I just came up with it on the fly based on your snappy fashion, fashion dress. Go on then. I'm joined by a man who wears so many floral shirts, you'd think he'd bought them at a garden gift shop. <laughs> That's a decent intro. Well done, I'm fine. I am, I am loving a floral shirt at the minute. Um, oh, it's I, not quite floral, but I love the colours. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just... You know what? There's so many... You can go for a boring, plain white or pink shirt, but why not style your shirts up a bit? I'm loving a decorative shirt. I like my lemon shirt, you know, with the blue, the pale blue one with the lemon zest on it that you wore for your birthday. Yeah. I feel like a hula in it. Feel like what? Like I'm going for a hula. You can... Right. <laughs> You're going for a hula. Is that a thing? <laughs> What is a hula? Is that like the Hawaiian I, thing? I assume it's a, a party with the, the, the grass skirts thing. <laughs> right. So you weren't content last week insulting the Germans and the French. <laughs> you thought you could give the Hawaiians a little little stab by just talking about a hula. <laughs> I'm going for a hula. I don't know what. What do they call it? Is it a hula party or is it a? I assume so. I don't know. I don't know. I think I heard it in Lilo and Stitch, but I'm not sure. <laughs> That's right. set in Hawaii, I think, so... Yeah, well done. I should hope it's accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to um, Cultural Appropriation 101. Um, uh, honestly, we are just we, we we are we are going through the uh, the um, countries like nobody's business. We, we should start. We should start listing all our you know inside jokes for the podcast. We've got like other brands are available. <laughs> this and that one. One point one. 101, 101. What's that? I forgot that one. You know what? The other brands are available, so 
say something? Well, I know other brands are available. But do you remember that when we went through a phase where we all we were doing is making up our own little in jokes, like mind blown. We had that 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 was our little in joke for ages. Oh, do you remember that? When we were walking around, just going. Boom, like a boss. Walk <laughs> like a boss. Write like a boss. I remember there's, Eat there's like a picture a boss. On, my, on my Twitter somewhere, and it's just me sitting reading Agatha Christie or something like that, and it's like reading classical literature yeah. like a boss. Right, can we can we just settle this? Right, where like classical literature might be some Greek or Roman philosophy. Agatha Christie's 150 years old. Does that count no, as classical? Or is it just, yeah. But then you could have a modern classic, couldn't you? Mm. Like 1984 or Fahrenheit 451. They're not modern. Yeah, but then where's the line? How about, like, I don't don't know, um, A God in Ruins or like a, a book that came out recently? I don't know. It won the Costa Prize for Best Novel, and it is an amazing book as well. I'm sorry that I'm stuck on YA novels. I know, I know. Um, I have a good YA novel. Yeah, Norton Grosses is an amazing book, though. I haven't got around to it. I've still got um, uh, Silence of the Lambs sitting on my shelf, and I've got to get to it. But then I've got to get to One of Us is Lying, and if anyone's ever read that, I love it so much. I don't know. I'm thinking that one of the characters has... They're all, they're all I've got a feeling one of the characters is lying. <laughs> I, they're all lying. Um, they're all it's lying. Like that, it's, like that, it's like that book you read, We All Die in the End. Oh, no, you told me the end. Tell me how it's going to no, finish. No, it's called They Both Die at the End. Yeah. What happened at the end? One of them was in a fire and the other walked out into a road because he was so sad that he lost the one person he'd learned to love. <laughs> so they both died at the end. They both died at the end. Yeah. They were fake. Maybe, m- anyway. maybe, like, when, maybe you should go for, like, the. When you write a book, you should go for um, uh, something like. Like, something that doesn't reveal the end of your book right at the start. I'm writing a book. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, I am eight, cha- eight chapters away from the end of the first draft. Okay. You're writing a book. I'm, I'm writing the. Um, written version of this podcast. I'm writing the Kindness Project book, and I said to you earlier on, I'm probably writing a lot more words than I need, yeah. but enjoying the experience. So I'm going to carry on, and then I'll edit down as appropriate. I'm going to go all Edward Scissorhands at the end and just start <laughs> cutting, it, cutting it all up. But yeah, we'll we'll see how we get on. I think I'm probably still about a year away, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I am. Uh, when's January? I'm a couple of months away from the end. So. Okay, fair enough. So you can, it, it'll be done by Jane. What are you going to do? Self-publish, or are you going to? I haven't decided yet. I think it's, uh, it's really about a publisher would benefit me, and I don't just want it for the money. But then <laughs> you're all about the money. But then I just think it's show really, me the money. I just think it's. I did a bit of research on it, and I just think it's really unfair that. Most writers only get like thirty percent of the proceeds from their book. Yeah, but they, they, they that's that's the challenge with because I published a book back in self-published book back in twenty fifteen. Mm. The work that goes into promoting and marketing a book that you've then got to decide whether that proportion you give away, yeah. just the time saving is worth it, um, and whether and you, whether if you I can could get a deal. Encourage um, or convince like a major publisher to 
but I probably wouldn't. But it's just. Well, you can, I mean, you can only try and send it try. out. Try. Yeah. Um, but it's whether I can encourage someone who could give the book that push. Mm. Um, but that's not for now. That's for when the book is out of the drafting stages and into the second draft stage. And then you start sending it out to publishers. And then after the second draft, I'll start sending it out and then start seeing about what my options are. And I also want to look at designing a cover. But I've got loads of ideas for it, and I can even do it myself. No, outside was that job. That's what was that job? Because otherwise it would be a crayon version of a horse. No. Um, I can do designing. I do designing for fast. No, I know. I know. But, but, but my experience is that when I tried to design my book cover, it looked a bit shocking. And that wasn't the word I was originally going to use. Um, There's another SH but, word. But, <laughs> yes, shambolic. Um, um, sh- it looked the shizzle. Um, uh, but, that wasn't the best shindig. But when... Uh, <laughs> Shamon! Uh, <laughs> it looked very Shamon. Um, uh, but when I got somebody else to, d- desi- to design it, it looked f- fantastic. Funky. Funky. Friendly. <laughs> Fortunate. Fortitude. Fortnight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> Uh, I, I looked at it and I wanted to flush. So I'd, I'd always recommend that if it's not in your natural skill set, you skills. do this and start with a D called delegate. I like delegation, it's fun. Delegation, delegation. Anyway, this week's question of the podcast is what household object or decoration makes you feel nostalgic? but you'd never dream of having your, in your own house in 2019. Now, the reason I ask this is because me and your mum... Me mum. Your mum. Me mum. And my wife um, were talking about the stuff we used to see in our nan's house. And what they used to have is a knitted doll on top of the toilet roll um, to hide the toilet roll in the toilet. And felted wallpaper. And... Oh, doilies and a bunch of stuff that you would you never dream of seeing in, in a house in 2019. So the question that you can't answer this very much because you haven't got your own house yet, but is there anything in our house you're definitely not having in your house apart from us? <laughs> yeah, me mum and dad. <laughs> Let's just say you are like, moving into me when it's, you know... I, I'm inviting around every now and again, though, aren't I? Yeah, like, you can come in once a week for three hours. You have a scheduled time. <laughs> Christ, you have look, schedule that's, a week ahead. That's a bit, that's a bit time-restricted, isn't it? <laughs> uh, sorry, two hours every week? Three. Straight, oh, oh cheers, mate. <laughs> can you, I, have, you have to schedule a week ahead. Can, so. can I push it to four hours once a month? I've got to schedule... <laughs> Let's schedule a week ahead. <laughs> no, because if you push it to four four hours a month, you'll only get one hour a week. No, four hours once a month, I said. You can push it to five once a month. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Um, can you let people know where they can get in touch with us? Uh, sure. Um, we have Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty decent. Uh, we're out at Ola Kindness and if you go into the magical search bar thinking in Facebook or Google we will come up as the Kindness Project amazing ola.kindnessproject.co.uk is the email and you can find us all over the web uh, Google Kindness Project but we're at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk 
You okay? I'm not okay, I'm very tired, but I'm doing <laughs> all right. Um, shall we get on the show? Yes. So, our guest this week hails from the good old US of A. She's Swedish. No, she's Amer- <laughs> she's American. Clearly, she's American, and um, she is um, a manners expert. She talks quite a lot about manners. Uh, her name is Kristen Johnson. Shall we listen to the first part of her interview? Yes. Hi, Kristen. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How about you? Amazing. You're really, really good. So, so where you are? Is it ten o'clock in the morning at the minute? It's nine o'clock. Nine. Okay, so nice and early, and I'm just ending my day. <laughs> yeah. What time are you? Are you quite an early riser though? Do you get up? Because I get up about six. Do you tend to get up quite early? I I do. I do these days. I used to be a night owl, but now I, I'm very I'm very early because I have projects on the you know yeah. several hours ahead. I think that's part of the reason that I tend to earlier yeah days. yeah you want to work on them didn't you so so t- tell me a little bit before we start talking about the book tell me a little bit about you and your life well I am uh, a graduate of Southern California uh, master of professional writing that's my, that's my background in okay. university Michigan um, for undergraduate I lived in California was born in Michigan and I've been pretty much writing all my life okay what made you move to California? Uh, school and family. Okay. Definitely, definitely school, the great weather, the beautiful community, and it, all the families migrated out to the land. Yeah. It was, it, it's just been great. Cool. I am, um, I'm looking at my office window at the minute and it's raining where I am um, and it's the middle middle of August. Um, what's the weather like? I'm going to, I'm going to regret asking this, I know, but what's the weather like where you are? Uh, sunny, probably going to be uh, over a hundred degrees, triple digits today. Yeah, I, I am regretting asking that question. <laughs> so, so ahead. Go on. Don't don't feel bad because the heat is uh, we love the The heat is, can be really really brutal around this time of year. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I'd imagine I'd imagine going out. I mean, I've just got back from Cyprus for my family holiday, and going out actually at a hundred plus degrees is is quite a tough environment to to exercise in and walk in and stuff like that, isn't it? Yes, and Cyprus, I know people that have lived in Cyprus. Cyprus is supposed to be lovely. Beautiful, yeah. So we went, we did, uh, my, my two girls are 7 and 15, so we swam in waterfalls and uh, scenery is beautiful. Yeah, it was really, really nice, uh, but super, super hot. So, uh, so yeah, it was good fun. So uh, talk to me a little bit about your passion for writing, because it sounds like you've always had that. I have. I have. I come from a, a lineage of writers, if you will. My great-grandmother on my mother's side was a, was a writer, and my late mother also, uh, had also written a book. Okay. She was a librarian and teacher before she had my sister, and, and she, uh, 
was always very literate in my family. Yeah. Has always loved writing. We have a lot of creative people yeah. in our family. Yeah. The next generation is my nephew. And, and are they writers as well? Do you reckon it's going to be a family affair? Uh, well, funny you should ask. We've, we, we've written stories together, and one story I wrote for them, I decided to have printed up into a book and uh, give it to them for Christmas one year, and it was based on, you know, a bunch of uh, family story that, uh, a story that I created for them that, that we all would tell, and then I decided to write it down into a novel. And yeah. Now they that after I gave it to them for Christmas, they're asking, well, is it going to be in the bookstores? I'm thinking. <laughs> I said, this was just a Christmas gift, maybe someday, so... Yeah, but what an amazing memory to, to take. You know, I, I think, I mean, I like to write, but I think a lot of writing's about just having a permanent home for some of those stories because those stories can get lost in time, can't they? I mean, I know, I know there's stories that, like, my family have got three or four generations back that, unless we write them down, they're just going to be lost in the annals of history. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. have to keep some kind of a book. And it's funny because if we're discussing the social media aspect, everybody thinks our lives are so documented these days with uh, photos and sharing photos and Instagram and things like that and mm -hmm. Facebook updates. But it's it's important to write the things down. Yeah. I mean, the technology makes it easier, but it also makes it more fragmented because yeah. we're... I, I mean, there's good sides and bad sides because you can look on Ancestry.com and look up your relatives and try to do that and you can actually talk to projects and say, oh, you know, your uncle, um, your great, great uncle. Yeah, there's more information out there, isn't there now, isn't there? So exactly. So, so we're here to talk about your book, Ain't You Got No Manners. Tell us the reason you wrote it. Well, one of the reasons that I wrote it was I wanted, by doing a general book about manners, okay. we saw about over, over 10 years ago, and that kind of, as projects do, that got shelved. So I went on to other things, life intervened, and then my editor found actual printout when she was in the files and said, this is, sounds really great. This is okay. still wonderful. And I thought, and at the time, technology advanced so far above what we originally, the original draft. I mean, it was, Facebook was on Zuckerberg's side. Jobs wasn't, uh, didn't really even create uh, iPhone or anything that so the technology was just very different yeah and so weren't as ubiquitous so certainly they weren't the part of their life of our lives so that are now so so, I, so that had to be actually i thought what about a general internet manners guide mm -hmm. about a social media guide and at the same time my mom said oh, Yeah. Very passionate about people 
giving people the tools to use social media better. Yeah. And of course, during the 2016, uh, 2015 was ramping up to the 2016 presidential campaign, and I had no idea that social media would be Plays that should be part, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So it was interesting because I was reporting on life while it was happening, while I was writing, and there was something new every day, every minute. Yeah, so yeah. Made the, writing the book yeah, absolutely. So to do it in that environment where uh, social media was changing, and, and yeah, it must have been really interesting. So tell us about the book. It's an internet. It's a guide to internet manners, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And what do you think we do well on the internet, and what do you think we can improve on? Oh gosh, where do we start? <laughs> I think one of the <laughs> well. I think one of the things that we do well is spread information, share awareness, support people like you do with your podcast. I've seen some of your charitable and things that you do to raise awareness for your charity, and I'm sure you find that people are very giving. You know, you know what? It's really interesting um, because what we find is you sort of you notice how generous people are when um, when you start looking for that sort of stuff. I think a lot of the challenge is that um, when you want to see the bad in something, I, I think the I think social media and the internet's got a massive can be a massive force for good. I suppose the challenge you've got is how do you persuade people to have less polarised conversations, I think. And I, I don't know the answer to that yet. How, how do you have a conversation that's a bit more human and a less... Um, and, and, and part of, the, part of uh, what we try and do in the Kindness Project is just say, look, we're all human, we might differ in, in opinion, but we all love people, we all love our families, can't we have a bit more of a kind conversation? How do we, how do, we do that? Because a part of that is about etiquette and manners, isn't it? It is, it is. And just really pausing, like I said, to think about what we're posting and so on. Yeah. And trying to, trying to be considerate of the other people on the internet, but the thing is, with social media, one of the tenets that I say in the book is that even if you're not on social media, and there are people who absolutely avoid social media, even if you're not on social media, you're on social media because something else yeah. is going to get heard about you. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to it's hard to control how you appear on social media. But you do have a choice as to how you respond. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely right. And um, in your book, you read. Uh, I've read about the benefits of having a think button. Now, I think this is an amazing idea. Um, I love this idea because uh, you're more than welcome. Um, because sometimes the worst of us comes out when we just don't take that second to think about what we do. And I know, and I can't remember what what social media platform it is, but I think it might be Instagram or something like that. But they've got now built something into their. Um, algorithm that when they see a potentially sort of ne two negative part, post, they do ask the question, do you really want to write that? 
Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember what platform. I'm pretty sure it's Instagram. But and I, actually, that is a think button, isn't it? Just take two minutes to think about what you're what you're doing. Without without. Sorry. Oh, exactly. And, yeah. and I read that, and I was just just blown away by that. It's almost like I was thinking, did they read the book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They might owe you some money for that one, Kristen. Yeah, you know, just like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how did you? Um, so, so I've read about that, but without the benefit of having a uh, a button on your email, what tips do you give to people just to take a step back? Well, I think one of the things is, and, and I get this too, we're all so primed to respond right away, right yeah. away. I mean, it's kind of like, that's why every time, when I belong to some writing groups, and they always tell you when there's a speaker, turn off your cell phone, turn off, even turn off the sound so that you're not tempted to respond and check the thing all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, we're all here to respond so quickly and we get anxious if we don't respond mm -hmm. us or we don't respond right away and some things are time sensitive like if somebody says i need an answer in the next five minutes yeah. you know that's that's one thing but most things are not that urgent Great. so it's uh taking you can overanalyze, but sometimes when you and also another thing I say in the book is when you get uh, upset or offended by an email, just think about, well, email really doesn't have... Uh, Context filter, does it? Yeah. Emotional cues and things like that. I know we have emojis and they're fantastic, but you can misinterpret those too. Yeah, great. Yeah. I, I, I think I think the interesting thing is that when you read an email, how it's sent and how it's received are two can be two completely different things, can't it? Yeah, agreed. Um, so, how do you think we could use social media well or better? Oh, that's such a such a great question. You are asking terrific questions. Thank you. Um, you'd think you'd think I'd done this before a couple of times, wouldn't you, Kristen? Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, really wonderful what you do and the variety of topics you cover with your kindness project. It's really wonderful. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. We, I mean, we love it. I mean, for, for us, I've said this. I've said this before, but it just started as a project for Charlotte and I to have something together, and it's evolved into something a bit bigger than we expected, to be honest. But still, still loving the journey. Well, I think that's wonderful, and wonderful that parents and kids. Uh, that you can do it as a father and daughter is one of the things that, and I've been on parenting podcasts, one of the thing, things that they say is that parents aren't always embracing the technology yeah. or social media. And I think the thing about it is to educate yourself. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're absolutely right. So going back to that question, how do you think we could use social media better? I, the, the use of the think button, I think just thinking about uh, it feels good in the moment, but are you going to regret it five years time? Yes. Down the line. But I also yeah. think somebody said there, I think was, I think was uh, Greg Gutfeld here in the U.S., there should be social media forgiveness 
anything for anything stupid that you posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. from the uh, got a drop from the Oscars because of something he posted several years ago yeah. that he apologized for and, yeah. and everything. There's just so many examples of people losing their jobs and careers over something they posted five or ten years ago. But, but I, th I, th I, think it, I think you make a really interesting point because what I said, and again, I'm, I'm 42, so I grew up in a, um, I, I grew up in a pre and post social media world. And I don't know whether I would have been happy um, with social media being around when I was 18 or 20 or 22. Because guess what? I'm not particularly mature now, but I was a lot less mature then. Um, and I, I, I don't know whether I'd, I'd be entirely comfortable with that being a reflection of my current self, because it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of that forgiveness thing. You know, it is something you said five years ago, really you. Don't know. And we all know that the, that the things we say in the moment, sometimes sometimes we don't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of vitriol online and there's a lot of people where, where they're just typing from behind the keyboards and they're keyboard warriors and things like that. And there's a lot of fake stuff. Um, not to, not to uh, resurrect fake news, but there's a lot of fake stuff on the internet. Yeah. Um, who they pretend to be. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, great. It, there's this commercial for, I believe it was State Farm years ago, and I quote this in the book, where the, where the woman says, oh, um, I, heard I, I heard this on the internet, I can't say anything on the internet that's not, <laughs> oh, here's my date, he's a French model. <laughs> and this uh, schlubby guy comes out with a beard, overweight, and he's, he's a bunt. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to think that we've become a bit. I think we think we're wiser about the internet than we than we are actually. Because I think well, I, I've had I've had plenty of conversations where people have said, "Yeah, but I read it on my Facebook feed." So, with the implication that it must be true, and you go, "Yeah, I know. I know you read it on your Facebook feed, but that doesn't." It doesn't mean it's accurate, does it? You know, it means that somebody's somebody wants to give you that message. So, I, I'm a, I'm a great uh, believer that the social media is a tool and we can use it for good. Um, how do we do more of that? We we can, we can uh, support organisations that are that are like your podcasts, like yours, and uh, from our and Polo has. From our hearts, the media uh, podcast and also initiative to spread uh, not only in but online uh, for for prosperity and, and yep. social progress and things like that. No, and there's Lady Gaga's channel, channel kindness, uh, born this way. There's there's so many things. There's crowdfunding of people's yeah. yep, things like that. There's raising awareness of causes. There's so much good out there. Yeah. And yeah. I think focusing on the good 
Great. Yeah. And and I know you talked about phone snubbing in your book, which I like. I love the phrase, by the way. Um, and I I think part of better engagement just more generally is I know I get frustrated when I'm trying to have a conversation with somebody and they're checking their phone how do we create the boundaries a bit better to, to make sure that if we're having a conversation we're having a conversation and, and it doesn't involve you checking your phone every two minutes well I love the way that you say having a boundaries I think it's all about the manners and um, I've, I don't write anything about yeah, in the book that I'm not guilty of doing myself. Yeah, I'll do it. So it's kind of like just sharing, uh, owning it, and being accountable. And you know, you, you know, you know, but you know what's interesting for me, Kristen? I do it knowing. <laughs> let, let me just be clear on this one. I do it knowing after that how it feels when somebody does it in front of me does that make sense and there's a there's a compulsion to check your phone as you say every every now and then but 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 um but i know how i feel when i'm trying to speak to somebody and they're checking their phone so yeah it's an interesting one yeah i think keeping that in mind and just keeping the being in the moment i mean obviously if something's if it's something with one of your daughters or if it's something a family medical thing that you have to stay on top of or a work yeah. thing that you stay on top of everybody understands but if you're somebody um and so many people get pet peeves like if you're talking to somebody and you mention something and they want to look it up to to, to for more information yeah. like they specifically specifically say well let's look it up and things like that yeah. i think i think there are there's a lot of gray areas between that but you know, when you're with someone, it's, it's good to give them your full attention. Yeah, great. Okay. So, I think you raised an interesting point, um, both in the book and through this conversation. And a lot of the conversations I have about kindness often um, roam into the areas of empathy so helping somebody understand your situation because they because because they understand a little bit about you but I suppose online part of the challenge is that polarization now of somebody saying I believe this so if you believe something else you're in a different camp and we're not gonna sort of bridge that what do we do about that well, funny you ask that because it's so it's so difficult, and I know people on both sides that have been kind of unheard black people and things like that, so on, so on, and it's certainly certainly tempting to do that. Although I do write the book about the dangers of doing that because it's kind of like if you have to interact with that person in your community, it's very very difficult. Yeah. So, but one of the things that I found. The really book was Joe McGovern, who did the documentary The Other Side, where he's a liberal, uh, a Democrat here in the U.S. He went through uh, the U.S. on a tour of basically talking to all conservatives, Republicans, trying to find out, you know, why they believe what they believe, what we have in common. And he said that. 
on social media, you can say, gee, this is how I see it. How does it seem to you? And trying to get some get some commonality and trying to get some understanding. Yeah. But it's very difficult to do that these days when people are heated and in the middle of a Twitter fight or a Facebook yeah. fight and every and the line is drawn. And the other thing is uh, that we're demonizing each other as evil I know, I know. So that was Kristen, what did you think? It was good. Shall we get on with the end of the show? Yep. Tis the end. Tis the end. I didn't think we were doing tis the end this week because I didn't think we'd racked up enough. We have. They're flying in, so we're going to do it. We're going to power through because the end is never the end. The end is always the beginning of something entirely new. (laughs) The end is always the start of um, last week's question of the podcast answered this week. And last week was, what is your favourite piece of obsolete technology? Why do you sound like a mad scientist? um, I'm trying out some different accents. And we we had um, a few answers. Ian at Money Alive, at My Money Alive, said iPod. So he's in, we like Ian. Uh, Colin Stewart said VHS. And Fiona Jones Bukes, I think it's Bukes, said, um, I had a portable CD player, bought an MP3 but never really used it because phone tech got so good. Um, I used to have a portable CD player, but the problem is CDs skip even when they're static. So running along the road with one never worked particularly well. Tapes were better than CDs. I had a portable Um, DVD player that I used to just watch Rainbow Bright on in the car. Rainbow Bright? It's about this little girl and she used to collect all the colours and then use them to help people. Well, she collected all the colours in the first two episodes and she found a magical horse. You can tell I've rewatched it over the years. When was the last time you watched it? Two years ago. Last week. Um, no, because I lost the disc. <laughs> Matthew Wong said Sony Walkman. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Dame said, I used to love the sound the dial-up modem made. Now, have you ever heard that sound? You mean the computer sound? It goes like this. No, it did. Genuinely. Let me let me let me see if I can find. <laughs> let, well, what do you mean the mouth actions? Right. Um, okay. Uh, YouTube's got everything, hasn't it? So uh, other video uh, host insights are available. The only one I can think about is Vimeo at the minute, but YouTube. Daily Motion. Yeah. Not all Daily the, all Motion. There. So this is the sound of a dial-up internet. This is what we're missing out of our lives, people. What do you mean it's dreadful? Here. That's what you used to have to. Oh, that, that, that was the sound of the internet. Circa, I don't know, what are we looking at? Two, 2000, something like that. Circa, circa 95 to 2000, that was the sound of the internet. You know what the internet sounds like now? What? TikTok. Silence. Because it's silent. Um, so that was the sound of the internet. Just in case you forgot, listeners, here is the sound of the internet. Are we missing the sound of the internet? Probably not. Um, oh, God. Anyway, so that was the sound of the internet, and that's what Russell 
apparently misses. Uh, Alison Hagen said, I was an IMAX projectionist for seven years. I loved lighting the projector until it all went digital. R.I.P. And I was replaced by a button. Oh, no! We don't like that. Uh, and Francis Barrett said, mini disc player. I don't think they were ever not like, redundant. They didn't last long, to be honest, mini disc players. And that, my friends, is the end of another fantastic kindness project. Before we end, actually, can I just say something? We are rolling up to our um, nearly our 100th episode. So we're on episode 97 now. Um, and we have got um, a fantastic... Yes. Um, two episodes yes. coming coming up where Don from Do Me A Favour Buddy, one of our favourite um, guests, other guests, other favourite guests are available and exist, um, uh, came in and for, for our 100th episode interviewed us, which was a bit amazing, wasn't oh, it? And the 99. 99 was a good fun as well. Um, and then, so that's, that's coming up. Uh, we've got loads more stuff in the pipeline. We're carrying on with the Kindness Project because we love it so much. I mean, you've started going... Oh no, I don't want to do another podcast. It's not that I don't want to do a podcast, it's that I feel strange. I know. But when we're into it, we love it, don't we? Mm -hmm. When we when we into it, we love it. So a warm hand. I know. And on that weird, <laughs> strange note, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.